Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Rev. Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Rev. Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'll be sharing with you today some insights and practices from the spiritual tradition of yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. Many people are familiar with the word yoga today, but not everyone understands its deepest meaning. Its um, spiritual meaning refers to um, union, unity. It, it, its, its root meaning is to bind back. It means to bring our attention and awareness to rest in our essential nature, to be restored to our original wholeness. Yoga is abiding in the conscious awareness of our true self. It is self-realization. And, of course, to realize um, is to, to know this and then, to because we know it, to live in harmony with that spiritual nature. Today's topic is patience, contentment, and the key to unconditional happiness and peace. And joining us today for this topic is Alan Locus. Alan is the founder and guiding teacher of the Community Meditation Center in New York. Alan has practiced meditation since the mid-90s and has studied with renowned Buddhist teachers such as Sharon Salzberg, Thich Nhat Hanh, and Joseph Goldstein. Alan has taught at Columbia University Teachers College, Albert Einstein College of Medicine, Marymount College, New York Insight Meditation Center, and Tibet House, USA. His writing has appeared in the New York Times, the Huffington Post, and Tricycle Magazine. He's the author of the book Pocket Peace, 
Effective Practices for Enlightened Living. And his latest book that we'll be drawing from today is Patience, the Art of Peaceful Living. You can find out more about Alan his uh, publications and his classes if you visit his website cmc for community meditation center new york cmcnewyork.org welcome alan i'm so delighted that you could join us today on the yoga hour and before we begin our conversation about patience and what it makes possible in our lives we'll begin with a moment of meditation In this moment, let us simply open our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence, becoming aware of one reality that is called by many names, but is the support, the substance of all that is. So right where we are right now, we can recognize this reality is present, is present as you, as me, as everyone, as everything. It's within us, around us, between us. So in this moment of centering meditation, let's simply move our attention from the periphery of our awareness from from being um, uh, absorbed in uh, sensory involvement or thought activity. Let's simply intend to pull our awareness in, into the depths of our being. And we can do this by becoming aware of our breath. And as we inhale, just intending to pull our attention within, And as we exhale, just letting go of any distraction. So inhale, feel the cool air entering the nostrils. Exhaling, feel the warm air flowing out. And just a moment of conscious breathing like that can help us begin to experience more spaciousness in our awareness. We can become aware of thoughts and feelings, how they arise and pass away. Become aware of our essential nature beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change and phenomena, pure existence being. And when we touch that essence, our experience is peace, peace, that emanates an essence of our being. And let's invite that peace now to pervade the mental field, our emotional nature, and our physical body. As we abide in this peace today, we want to remember to consciously let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. We begin our conversation this morning with exploring what it is that patience makes possible. 
Alan, you describe in the introduction to your book how the inspiration for this, for writing the book, came to you from a seemingly casual statement from a friend who said to you, just about every mistake I have ever made and every unkind word I've ever spoken might have been avoided if I had been more patient. Um, that's such a powerful statement and it when i read that it you know it really captured my imagination it made me start to think about how patience or the lack of it has influenced my life um you define patience in your book as the following patience is characterized by an even tempered perseverance and the capacity to move through challenging situations calmly and graciously it is restraint when provoked and the capacity to experience difficulty, hardship, inconvenience, adversity, and stress while remaining calm and rational. This does not mean becoming a doormat for others to tread upon. Quite the opposite. With patience, we are more likely to see things as they really are and proceed with greater wisdom and compassion, making decisions that reflect the person we want to be. Um, the preparation for your book, uh, you note, included many conversations with people about patients, and you asked them a couple of really important questions. You know, one being under what conditions were they most likely to lose their patients, and when that happens, what do they do? Um, and I think, of course, even asking ourselves these questions can be a useful practice to bring more awareness to our own experience of patience and impatience. So, questions I have for you this morning, Ellen, as we begin is, you know, what did you discover about what causes us to lose our patience? And how is it that we think of patience as being something that we have or we can lose? I, th- I find that very interesting. And then, of course, how does that relate to our understanding or our experience of our basic nature? So a little bit about what you learned uh, researching this book, Alan. Well, I'll tell you one thing I learned this morning. I, I lo- already learned how wonderfully thorough you are. <laughs> someone, you're someone who really reads a book. Yes. Did you ever have that experience that you've come to the, the bottom of a page in a book and realize you have no idea what you just read? Oh, my goodness, yes, of course, and then I have to read it again. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I, I think that's something most of us have experienced, so I, I feel just um, delighted and honored that uh, you read so thoroughly and retain, and, and these are very, uh, for me, these are very key points that you brought up. The um, the very beginning uh, of actually writing this book was that evening when a dear friend to me said that line that you quoted just about every mistake I have ever made and every unkind word I have ever spoken might have been avoided if I had been more patient. And just as you said that that struck you as being a very powerful statement, it was the same for me. I, I just was stunned when I heard that, mostly because I realized immediately the same was true for me. Had I been able to exercise greater patience in key moments through my whole life's history, I could have avoided so much pain and suffering for myself and and that which I've caused for others. Mm -hmm. So um, I became very interested in writing about this subject, and it turns out that my editor and publisher were also very interested in in, uh, producing a book on this subject. So 
we we all kind of went to work at the same time. And as you mentioned, um, I did a lot of research, and I started out with a very simple research project, which was to send out thousands of questionnaires that had just those two simple questions that you mentioned, under what circumstance am I most likely to lose my patience, and what do I do about it? The first thing I learned was that most people don't want to talk about it. And I thought, well, that's that's interesting. interesting. (laughs) Yeah, and and I didn't just send these out arbitrarily. They started out going to friends and family, and I asked them to pass pass these questionnaires along to others. So there was a connection to everyone who received them, and I said, please do not sign these or put your name on them. Uh, you can, you know, give me some demographic information. But um, out of thousands sent out, there were only maybe about six, seven hundred that came back, which was enough for me to put together certain patterns. The first, um, you know, of course, I was really interested in people's perceptions uh, as to what causes them to lose their patience. The number one answer by far People said, I lose my patience when I feel I'm not being heard. Mm. And by extension, when I feel I'm not being seen or no one is paying attention to me, etc. Now, I realize that if we expand that a bit, what we're also incorporating is those moments when we're waiting online at the supermarket and someone up ahead of us is fumbling around looking for uh, their cash, or they don't find their cash, so they're looking for their credit card, but then they realize their grandson always plays with their purse, and he probably took the credit card out. In the meantime, I've just done a long day's work, and I just would like to get a few groceries and go home and relax and have a simple dinner. And, of course, I feel impatience arising And by extension, what we're really seeing here is I'm not being seen. I'm Mm -hmm. not being heard because there's that piece of me that says, if you really saw me, you would move this line along quickly so that my comforts could be dealt with, which, of course, is totally unrealistic. But nevertheless, there's that, that piece of us that feels that way. Same thing out in a traffic jam. Why don't all these cars move out of the way so I can get to my destination? I know that sounds a little odd, but there is that little piece of us that sees ourselves as the center of the universe. So um, this, this seems to be the number one reason for the arising of impatience. Numbers yeah, that's, ex- that's what I found uh, as well, Alan, when I, when I looked at your questions myself. Um, you felt the same it, thing. Yeah, and, you know, my, um, my theme was um, I don't like to feel as if my time is not honored. Um, you know, that, that it kind of came down to that place where I feel impatient, you know, not so much with, um, people, uh, making mistakes or, uh, I know incompetence is, is one thing that people get upset about and that bothers me, but it sort of came down to the crux of, you know, not honoring the sense of like my time. And uh, so I thought that was kind of amusing, but that's what I discovered. <laughs> 
Well, yes, and also, as you said, it's not so much about someone making a mistake because we know that we make mistakes. And we know that in certain areas at certain times, we can be incompetent. So mm-hmm. we, I think we tend to have a little more room for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, as you said, I think it's the lack of respect and honoring my time, honoring my very person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the number two and number three reasons that people offered, I think, are much easier to deal with. People said, I tend to become impatient when I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Well, that's oh, yeah. not so difficult to deal with, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And the other was, I tend to become impatient when I'm tired. Uh-huh. And, you know, same thing. If, if we see that our pattern is to become impatient, to cause suffering for ourselves and for others when that happens, why not say, okay, I'm going to make an effort to get to bed 15 minutes earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, the first and, thing that yeah, comes the first thing that comes a, to mind good, is, oh, uh, that's... Uh, I was going to say, sorry, you have a ahead. great appendix in the book that's uh, a list of stressors that can yes. lead to impatience. Long um, list, isn't it? Yeah, we, it is. And, and of course, you know, just the awareness, like you say, that, you know, when we're off balance in some way, you know, whether it's we've gotten too hungry, we're too tired, uh, we're emotionally, you know, upset about something, you know, whatever the stress factor is, um, we're more inclined than um, to have habitual behaviors that are less conscious. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. You know, we also have um, a very peculiar language that we use with the subject of patience. We say, um, I've lost my patience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's what I was curious about what you discovered about that. Yeah, well, we all use that expression. Uh, I don't have a lot of patience or I've lost my patience. And that suggests the patience is either some sort of a commodity or a thing that uh, it must have slipped under the sofa because I can't find it right now. I've lost it. But if we really look at the nature of what we're speaking about, we see that impatience is a feeling. As patience is, I can consciously experience myself practicing patience. I can consciously be aware of the fact that impatience is arising. Mm -hmm. The trouble is, the reason that that's not so easy to do is We've become impatient so quickly that we've we bypassed the fact that this feeling has been arising, and we also then focus outside of ourselves. That person needs to stop speaking to me that way, because mm-hmm. that person is the reason that I've, mm-hmm. I'm losing patience or the right. reason impatience yeah. is Yeah, so becoming externally oriented where we really can't do much about it instead of um, yeah. looking within and how we can make that make that change. And, and just speaking of patience, I want to say, I know we had a little um, uh, blip in the opening of the program today, so that's going to 
it fixed in the archive for those of you who are listening live. Um, you can uh, pick up the archive and you'll have the beginning of the program. We're getting ready for our break right now. And when we come back, I think we'll talk a little bit more about our essential nature and what that has to do with patience and contentment. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest Alan Locus, author of the new book, Patience, the Art of Peaceful Living. We'll be right back with you. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. Hi, my name is Lynn Twist. I'm the author of The Soul of Money. If you're struggling right now with a financial crisis, I recommend going to www.unityfm and listening to our course about the soul of money and how to handle this in a way that brings out the deep spirituality that's available at this time. You know, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. Join author Lynn Twist for The Blessing of the Financial Crisis. You'll learn new techniques to use the current economic situation to redefine your relationship with money. It's available now for immediate download at unity.fm in the video download section. From on the air to on the sea. Pack your bags and come with me. Hey, hey, what you waiting for? An early winter rendezvous with all the things you love to do. Hey, hey, treat yourself to more. A little more summer, a little more sun, a little less work and a lot more fun. A little more beach, a little more sand, a little less stress and a lot more pain. Join your favorite Unity Online Radio hosts for Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. On this fun-filled Caribbean adventure, enjoy sunshine, exceptional dining, and island excursions. Feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation, plus one-on-one time with some of your favorite hosts. That's Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. To learn more, go to unity.fm slash cruise. A little more sunset, a little more sea, a little less do and a lot more be. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Alan Locust, 
the founder of the Community Meditation Center in New York. We're talking about patience and drawing from his new book, Patience, the Art of Peaceful Living. And in the first segment, we talked a bit about Alan's uh, research and um, just having people explore how they experience patience, uh, what it is, uh, where it goes when we seem to lose it. And, and we left off with the conversation about it's interesting that we have a sense that that patience is something we have and that we can lose. And so, you know, what does that mean? And um, one of the reasons I wanted to have Alan on at this time is that we're in this series now uh, looking at Ashtanga Yoga, the eight limbs of practice. And and we have a... Um, uh, uh, one of our practices is contentment. And I find that, of course, very close to um, experiencing patience. And um, contentment is really the, our ability to rest in our essential nature uh, and to discern that as, uh, as pure, as whole and complete. And, you know, when we're able to do that, we're actually better able to be patient because um, we're not, uh, we don't have to take things personally, really, is what it comes down to. And, Alan, in your chapter on starting patiently, you write, uh, even though we may need a little work, we are already whole and perfect. We may have lost touch with aspects of our perfection, but they're always there, just as the sun is always there waiting for its chance to shine when the clouds have passed. As the sun waits patiently for a clear sky, we too can learn to be patient. This is the essence of spiritual practice. Our work is not to become a better person, but to become present to the perfection we already are. So that's very close to our practice of contentment uh, on the path of yoga. So how do you see this, Ellen, um, from your perspective, um, as helping us connect, patients helping us connect to our essential nature? This is an interesting and I think very tricky question. Um, it is, we, especially from two different traditions, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, and also, um, you know, I tend to pay a lot of attention to what's going on in the scientific community today because um, through the studies of neuroscience, we're learning a lot about, uh, well, they're focused on the brain because it's very difficult to focus on the mind um, other than as something that's experiential. The brain is an actual physical uh, organ that can be held in one's hand, uh, hopefully not of a live person. Um, But there is a lot that can be learned in terms of uh, what we tend to call uh, essential nature, uh, a, a term that developed uh, after the death of the Buddha was Buddha nature, but it's not a term that he used. But I think these are essentially saying the same thing. If we were to clear away all the dross, all of the misperceptions, all of the anxieties, uh, remove our masks, what would be there? Um, You know, that, that deep and difficult question, who am I? What is 
the essence of reality related to this sense of I, me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very difficult question because I think it's one where ultimately uh, we're not going to be able to have any kind of scientific proof. Therefore, we rest in um, faith, which can be very um, legitimate. I think faith is a very legitimate practice. Um, You spoke about contentment. Again, I think contentment is also interesting and tricky um, because contentment related to a sense of self that is at peace is um, a contentment that I think we would want to practice. Mm -hmm. Um, But of course, if we are uh, dealing with delusion and find ourselves uh, content with um, someone who is knowingly or unknowingly causing oneself harm and suffering, um, we don't necessarily want to be content with that. We want to be inquiring, investigating, Mm -hmm. looking, what am I doing? You know, this is where I think whether we use the word meditation or we just use contemplation or just if we think of just sitting down and stopping for a few minutes, I know for some, just the word meditation can seem foreign and off-putting. But essentially, if we think about just stopping for a few minutes and sitting down and taking a look at what goes on in the mind, essentially, what goes on within me? What am I doing? What am I thinking about? With that kind of practice... I think we can come to a place of contentment. Um, You know, the Dalai Lama says that we are here to be happy, that Mm -hmm. that is our essential nature. Mm -hmm. But we also live in uh, a world. We live in a very realistic situation. Most of us are quite engaged in the world. We're in relationships. We're in the workplace. Um, and, And we have to figure this out. We have to learn what works for us individually mm-hmm. we have to investigate we have to experiment and i think you know as you as you have approached patients this way in your your book when we are in the yoga path and we are studying contentment it it really has to do with the the deepest awareness of wholeness you know our our uh, essential experience of uh, well-being um, it doesn't have to do with, um, you know, as you say, a misguided sense of, you know, everything is all right when it's not all right. But just as, as you have talked about patience, um, when we can cultivate that kind of even-minded quality that rests on um, our experience of wholeness, then we have the ability to meet circumstances that are you know, that we would think of as not favorable or difficult, you know, with a, a, a clear sense of wisdom and compassion. So, you know, people worry about that, you know, well, maybe I shouldn't be content because, <laughs> because this is a, this is a difficult situation, or maybe I shouldn't be patient with this because, you know, uh, you know, I want to be angry with this because it's not right. 
but the, the teachings are kind of paradoxical in this way, in, the, in, in that they say, no, you know, if you, the quality of your mind, you know, is, is peaceful, is patient, is content, then you can approach difficult situations uh, with wisdom and compassion. Yes, and of course, we have to also be willing to accept the fact that this takes practice and this takes considerable time for most of us. Um, while we can listen to these words and we can read these words and we can uh, go on retreats and experience contentment in a retreat setting, for most of us in our everyday lives, we are dealing with our conditioned behavior and we're dealing with our habit energy. And so to to reach uh, a state of contentment is going to take time. And I'm saying that, I'm uh, speaking from my own experience, and, <clears throat> and from what I've heard uh, reported to me from others, Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it, and I think you, just, you mentioned med- meditation, of course, as sort of the primary tool, right? You know, for for because it allows us to see uh, more clearly how these mind states uh, arise, and um, perhaps we can take a, a few minutes, uh, Alan, now to talk about. Um, impatience and and anger you know uh, as you say you know they're they're going to be there and you know just just saying you know okay i'm spiritual now and i'm going to be content and i'm going to be patient well that doesn't work <laughs> because we we do have the experience of impatience we do have the experience of anger um and we can learn more about the mind you know as we meditate and we inquire and we observe um so what about that what what brings about impatience and anger, and what are some of the ways that we can learn to manage and uh, and overcome these uh, difficult states of mind? Well, I think a starting place is uh, something that you mentioned that's very important, and that's to realize that impatience and anger are perfectly natural. It's not that one is being a bad person of some sort. These are feelings that arise if we're dealing uh, with someone who is abusive or unkind or there are unfair situations. It's perfectly natural that these feelings will arise. Um, the most spiritually advanced person preparing dinner, if they cut their finger, the finger bleeds and it hurts. Mm-hmm. So we we don't reach a state where we become above human, we're reaching a state where we become more human, more real, more authentic. Um, So the starting place, if we're going to work on this and try to, uh, to become more in touch with those moments when impatience arises, and that's the key, by the way, not to try to eliminate something that's natural, but to be aware when impatience or anger begin to arise and to Mm -hmm. become more sensitive, more mindful to those moments. Mm -hmm. I think the starting place is to uh, decide if we really want to do it. You know, all this conversation is well and good, but do I really want to sit down and devote 
10 minutes a day. I, I'm perfectly willing to go to the gym for an hour to work on my body, but am I willing to devote 10 minutes a day to, uh, to work on the emotional and mental part of my own health so that I don't go through the torment of anger that gets out of hand, impatience that gets out of hand. So early on in the book, Patience, it's the very first exercise that I suggest because I think it's where you have to start. Am I motivated to do this? So my suggestion is to sit down. I, I, I made up arbitrarily a period of one week, five minutes a day, and just ask yourself the question, why do I want to do the work to become a more patient person? Mm-hmm. And I will tell you this, that the first answers that come to mind, don't bother with them because they're going to be superficial. Uh, I should become more patient because everybody tells me I'm impatient and it doesn't feel good when I get angry, etc., etc. That may all be true, but it's not going to have the energy that real motivation requires. Real motivation is when you realize that yesterday you just lost it with your four-year-old and yelled and screamed And then you realize the next day, what did he do? What he did was just perfectly natural for a four-year-old. Yes, I've asked him many times not to do it. Yes, we have to do something so that he doesn't continue to do that. But what I did was really out of hand, and I feel awful about it. He was scared. That's not the way I want to behave. That kind of motivation has sting to it. It, It has a little pain to it. And we realize, I want to change that. That's not who I want to be. And mm-hmm. that motivation will carry us through the times when we slip up, because we will slip up. And then we realize, all right, I just have to get back up again. And then I have to get back up again and again. Yeah. But yeah. I'm improving a little bit each time because I'm learning to sense when impatience is beginning to arise, and that is more important than yelling at the person who is being abusive at that moment. Mm-hmm. See, that's my yes, view of it. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. You know, when we get in touch with, really, you're, you're, you're describing being in touch with the suffering that comes, you know, for ourselves and for others. And, you know, once we see that, it can be very powerfully motivating, you know, that, that we don't really want to be caught um, in that in that cycle. And, and then I think also um, knowing that there is something we can do about it. Um, so it's having the motivation to um, make that change, but knowing that it's possible, you know, that is very helpful. And so, I think also, uh, Ellen, if I might interject, I think that that is a, a very important element when you speak about contentment, because we can't view contentment as something uh, that will just simply be there. I think we work in that direction. And I think that when we accomplish something, even these small steps toward becoming a more patient person, we will experience satisfaction and contentment and peace. I, I think these are all very tied together. Mm-hmm. They, they really are. And, of course, 
at, at the at the core of all of them is is uh, a more expanded awareness. Yes. Um, you know, which ties us back to you know a, a meditation practice really as a foundation is so helpful for this because <clears throat> you know it, that's what allows us to be able to see emotions arising, um, kind of being able to catch the wave, you know, before it before it washes over us, um, and that is uh, very helpful. Yes, um, I, you know, I really enjoyed the meditation that you offered at the very beginning of the program um, because today, um, I don't know what it is out where you are, but um, I'm on the other end of the country, and meditation is so in right now. The word mindfulness is so in. Everybody is selling meditation. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't pick up a magazine here or a newspaper <clears throat> without reading about how meditation is going to cure every ill you've ever had and, you know, you're going to become this absolutely spiritual floating-in-the-air type person. (laughs) And it's really nonsense. Um, Meditation is work. You sit down and you begin to do the work of looking at what is going on inside. But before you can even do that, the mind needs to quiet down. The Sanskrit term, um, I'm sure you know, is samatha, um, or shamatha in Sanskrit, samatha in Pali. The mind needs to quiet down. That takes work, because Mm -hmm. our minds are very, very busy. This is not a suddenly sit down and you become some sort of advanced meditator. I don't even know that there is such a thing (laughs) as an advanced meditator. Because every time you sit down, it's brand new. This is true. And that's hard to to accept. It's true. And it is very good to know, though, that there is... There is hope and there is a way for us to become, you know, more conscious and to be able to uh, live, you know, I would, I would describe it more gracefully, um, being able to make space for what's arising, being able to make more conscious choices. We're going to take a break now. You're listening to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien and my guest today is Alan Locust. You can visit his website at CMC Community Meditation Center, cmcnewyork.org. And we welcome your questions and comments. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. We'll be back in just a few moments with our last segment about practicing contentment and patience as a way of life. We'll be right back. Affirm the good that flows within you and stretch to reach your divine potential with daily inspirational messages from Daily Word. The path to God is not long or difficult or complex. Wherever I am, whatever I am doing, I pause and bring awareness to the one spirit that is within me. I open my mind to the thought of one creative energy enlivening me in the world. I open my heart to the one love that is the essence of life. This love, God's love, is within us all. Spirit needs no books or rituals, wealth or architecture to reveal itself. It is as intimate as a touch and as vast as the infinity of space. I am at peace in the simple knowing that wherever I am, God is. Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. A one-year subscription to Daily Word digital magazine with audio is only $9.95. 
That's less than three cents a day to start your day right, centered and connected to the truth within you. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com. Starting a business is a leap of faith. Growing a business is an act of courage. Staying true to your calling while navigating the challenges of business ownership is nothing short of a miracle. Whether you're a lifelong entrepreneur or you're just now getting the itch to hang up your shingle, the Spiritual Entrepreneur will help you create miracles in your business. Hosted by spiritual mentor and business coach Mindy Odlin, you'll learn spiritually focused business strategies to help you experience prosperity from the inside out. Mark your calendar and join Mindy live every Monday at 5 p.m. Central for The Spiritual Entrepreneur, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yogahour at unity.fm and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and my guest today is Alan Locus, the author of the new book, Patience, the Art of Peaceful Living. Uh, a beautiful book that really helps you cultivate patience just just reading it. Um, so, Alan, you, you write uh, in your book, um, you can't do anything about the heavy traffic on the highway um, or the long line at the supermarket. You know, I'm always uh, sort of astounded, you know, when you sit in those long lines of traffic and there's somebody a few cars back who's just laying on their horn. You know, it's just, that's, that's just sort it's of... Just that will change something. Yeah, I guess it's just trying to release energy. But anyway, let right. me let me read here what, what you say. You say you can't do anything about the heavy traffic on the highway or the long line at the supermarket, but you can learn how not to be miserable. I have a neighbor who, whenever I see her, comments about the awful weather. Uh, in the summer, it's disgusting. In the winter, unbearable. One lovely spring day, she advised me not to get too comfortable because it's going to rain over the weekend. The poor lady is doomed. Every day, without exception, there's going to be some kind of weather. There's no place for her to escape. So often, you cannot do anything about external circumstances, but you can always do something about what's going on in your mind. And so, of course, that is the the crux of it, you know, being able to do something about what is going on uh, in our mind. And, um, you know, in your book, you offer many helpful practices about, you know, how to get started with this training the mind towards um, patience. So tell us a little bit about um, how you see we can practice you know, this is very significant because this is all uh, fine to speak about the philosophy and um, the teachings, uh, but these things are all real-life experiences. What do I actually do when someone is pushing my buttons, to use our contemporary language? Um, the first thing to realize is that the mind tends to go outside of ourselves first, 
stop that circumstance which is causing me to be unhappy. Um, but the more we spend some time in life, in other words, as we get a little older, uh, we realize most of the time we really can't change our circumstances, the circumstances around us. Um, just interject very quickly a wonderful teaching story of a, a man in ancient times who realized that as he walked along, his feet were always being cut and bruised by the sharp stones and shards that were on the ground. And so his idea was to gather all the leather that he could and cover the whole face of the earth with leather so it would be smooth for him to walk. But, of course, it didn't take him very long to realize there could never be enough leather to do that. But then he came up with another idea. He said, if I covered my feet with leather, then every place I walked would be smooth. And that's the same idea as we're speaking about now. We cannot change what goes on in the world, except possibly here and there in small ways. But what goes on in my mind can be within my control. So we start by realizing that my conditioning is to look outside of myself first, and that's what we begin to change. It is not, for most of us, condition or habit to immediately think patience. We just don't do it. It's not a word that comes to mind right at the moment when we are beginning to feel impatience. We just we just shoot outward. So one skill to develop is to just simply bring the word patience to mind more quickly. And sometimes that's all it takes. Just hear the word patience. It's as if you have a little ally within your head, which is the mind that says patience. So how do we train ourselves to do that? Many, many different ways. You can simply practice Practice for one day, and I, and I will tell you up front, this is going to sound very easy, and it's not. You take something that you do, a mundane thing that you do every day. It might be um, every time you touch a door of any kind to open or close it, be it the car door, the house door, uh, the door to the refrigerator, the door to a kitchen cabinet, the door to the bathroom, the door to the bathroom cabinet, any door. When you touch that door, just for a second, just stop and say, patience. Now, you don't need patience to open the door. It's not about that. It's that you are beginning to program the mind to bring up this word patience. So you touch the door and say, patience. You open the car door, patience. You close the car door, patience. The first thing that everybody who has done this has reported back to me is they remember to do it the first two or three times at the most, and then they don't remember it again after that for the rest of the day, which causes them, of course, to be impatient with themselves <laughs> and to get critical. And so that's another opportunity to practice, hey, I'm doing my best. I can be patient with myself. Let me start again right now with the next door I touch. But there's no magic in the door. You can do that with each page of the newspaper that you turn. As you turn the page, 
say patience. If you send a lot of emails, each time you press the send button, just say to yourself, patience. Find a mundane exercise that you do regularly and begin to encourage the mind to think of that word, patience. And then see what happens. It's a lovely exercise. That was one of my favorite uh, favorites in the book. You know, just this idea of um, you know when we do something like this, we we have to st- we have to occupy a greater space in our awareness. You know, it's sort of um, stepping back. You know, from our experience. You know, one yes, one step back is. to to where yeah. we're able to observe and and introduce this. And you know, as we've been talking this morning, Ellen, I, I was remembering. Um, something I read a long time ago, uh, an interview with His Holiness the Dalai Lama um, on this topic of anger and patience. And someone asked him, you know, did he ever get angry? And uh, and was he, you know, was he angry with the Chinese? And uh, he said that he got angry um, with little things, <laughs> that he would lose his patience over little things, but not the big things. And he, he said that, you know, in his experience, you know, uh, in, in, in their struggle with the Chinese, that they had taken everything. Um, and he said, why should I give them my mind? Right. And that was, that has really stayed with me, you know, as a powerful motivation for this kind of practice. You know, why, why give away your peace? Why give away your contentment, you know, to some external, uh, circumstance, you know? Um, and so I like to think of this practice as, you know, this cultivation of, of peace or even mindedness, contentment, patience, however you want to think of it. As, as simply um, being able to be anchored uh, in ourselves, you know, in a way that doesn't allow our peace um, to be lost, you know, by circumstances. And, and we're the ones, of course, who give it away. And that's, yes. a, that's a powerful realization. You know, the Dalai Lama, and I've spent a lot of time sitting with him and studying with him, um, actually goes a step beyond that. He refers to the Chinese communist government as my friends, my enemy. Mm-hmm. And by that, he's saying that without those people and without those circumstances in our lives that annoy us, that cause the arising of impatience, we can never get a chance to develop patience. Mm-hmm. So he sees them actually in a certain way as an ally. Uh, now, I will admit, I think that's a very advanced way to practice because when, you know, I'll just speak honestly and say when when I'm really dealing with annoyance, it's not the first thing that I think of, oh, thank you for annoying me and giving <laughs> right. me this opportunity to practice. <laughs> right. But but you do develop the ability, and, and you use a very important word a couple of times um, when you speak about space, and, and I also speak about spaciousness, when we become impatient and and angry, that space closes down on us, and it becomes very uh, constricted, and we can't see any way out of this other than this anger and impatience that we feel. But by opening a sense of spaciousness, maybe there's another way to look at this. Maybe this other person is suffering in the same ways that I suffer. Maybe we're all in this big soup together. 
Maybe mm-hmm. I can open up a little more room. Maybe I can find a way to experience contentment in this moment rather than this anger. And I think that's what the Dalai Lama is saying, that he yeah. can actually go beyond that and find a way to be grateful, uh-huh. not to be stepped on as a doormat. You know, there's a mm-hmm. difference. We're, we're not yeah. here on this earth to just be walked on, I, I don't think. But no. to know when there is something we can do in a way that is compassionate and wise to change something that's unjust or unfair or when we need to be content because we can't do anything about the hurricane that's striking right now except to create as much safety as we can for ourselves and, and others. And to bring, and to be able to bring that peace forward. That's a beautiful, um, reflection for us to conclude with this morning. Um, Alan, thank you so much for joining me on the Yoga Hour. And I want to tell the listeners if you want to learn more about Alan's work, about the Community Meditation Center in New York and about his, um, books, you can visit cmcnewyork.org. Org. And I want to invite you back uh, next week. We'll be having a program called Stable and Conducive to Bliss, Insights into Asana. And I'm going to be joined by Meta Chaya Herschel, who has a new book out about vital yoga. For information about our upcoming meditation retreat at Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, visit our website, csecenter.org. I look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, let your inner light shine into the world, and remember to share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Thank you again, Alan. Thank you, Alan. What a great pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Have you heard about Dr. Tom Shepard's new program on Unity Online Radio? Tom Shepard, isn't he the Unity Magazine question and answer guy? Right. Well, they've actually turned him loose with a radio show, and I hear it's going to be pretty edgy. Edgy? Like what? Guest panelists and students from Unity Institute and Seminary, topics like abortion, gay marriage, war and peace, environmental issues, Islamic fundamentalism, universal health care, religion and politics, current events... Yeah, but they'll all be Unity people, right? Dr. Tom and his students will talk about the hard questions facing all people today, sometimes joined by rabbis, priests, liberal and conservative ministers, Buddhist monks, Baha'is, Hindus. And he's going to interview them on the program? 
better. He's going to introduce a controversial topic and let students and special guests go for it. This could get explosive. Does he have guys in black shirts standing by to break up the fights? (laughs) If I know Dr. Tom, he will keep it both friendly and spirited. Whoa, I gotta hear this. When and where? The program is called Let's Talk About It, and it's on every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio. So let's talk about it. Definitely, let's. Music Speaks Louder Than Words is an inspiring, informative, and fun hour of uplifting, heartfelt music and commentary that delivers a powerful message of love, joy, and oneness. It will keep you smiling and singing along. Your host, Dale Worley, is alive with the Spirit of God each Thursday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, with Music Speaks Louder Than Words. Music, it's the only thing that the whole world listens to. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 